And good morning, Exchange. Good morning. It's my joy to be here. I hope it is for you too. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, 14 through 15. Uh, I was talking with some of you, and you said that you weren't quite awake yet. Uh, not from camp, that is. Camp, it's been a week since we had camp, and I hope you're well rested, ready to go. Uh, first Sunday back since. So uh, I had a fun time. I hope you guys did. All right, here page is still flipping. Mark 1. Uh, we're actually going to read starting in verse 9 to get some context and go to verse 20. And this is what the Word of God says. Verse 9. In those days... Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed him. Father, thank you for this morning that you've given us. Thank you for your word. Lord, your word is true, and it's binding. Lord, and I pray that for everyone here, that we would respond to the truth that we hear. Lord, it's by your spirit working within us that we could repent and believe in the good news. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your love. And we pray this in your name. Amen. All right. So if you're like me, you've had some bad ideas in your life. Maybe some good ideas, but definitely some bad ideas. Uh, I'll never forget when I was 12 years old, uh, your age, and I was with my grandpa going hunting. And you have to know that my grandpa is a mountain man. He, he knows everything there is to know about the great outdoors. Uh, he can navigate any territory, never get lost. Uh, he speaks the great outdoors language. He probably speaks bear and whatever else, any animals. This guy, he just knows it all. Uh, and he had a plan that day. Uh, he had a clear message that he needed to convey to me, uh, this 12-year-old going along this expedition with him. And 
I was acting like I was a hunting expert because I wanted to impress my grandfather. And he's giving me uh, the, the plan, and I'm not listening, just, yep, mm-hmm, got it, right? Just saying yes to everything he says. And he goes down the ridge, and he's, it's about 5 o'clock, so it's getting a little dark. He goes down the ridge. Uh, I, I don't know where he's at, and I'm, and I'm forgetting everything he said. So I just turn the other direction, and I just get lost, uh, kind of. There are some paths Right, some forks in the road, and he probably told me which one to go down. Um, it would have been helpful had I listened. But I, it's pitch black at this point, and I see this mysterious man, not my grandpa. And he starts talking to me, and I get scared, and I say, nope. And I go the other direction where I came from uh, to try and find him. And I'm calling. Uh, he's not answering. Uh, I'm like going down the ridge, still no answers. So I just decide to kind of take a guess, and I go down, or go back up, go down the path that I came from to go back to the Jeep. And so I have my rifle in my hand, and I'm clutching it close, and I'm hearing, like, noises in the bushes. It's probably just all a mind game, right? It's probably just me hearing things. Uh, but I thought for sure there were bears on my left and on my right, and I'm just praying that the Lord gets me through this. And I get to the Jeep, and my first thought is to get on top, uh, recline, rifle, right, get ready for it. Uh, and I hear footsteps, and it was my grandpa. It wasn't the, the mystery man, this stranger. And so I, I turned out okay. Uh, but why do I tell this story? Uh, it's because there was a clear message, and there was a plan that was given to me, and I didn't listen to it. I pretended like I understood what he was talking about, and it led me down a long, dark path. And what we just read from the words of Christ was a clear message and a plan that if we listen to it, we'll be okay. We'll get into the kingdom of God. But we have to listen There's so much confusion about what it means to get into the kingdom of God. What is is the kingdom of God? What does it mean to repent? What is the good news? Who is Jesus, even? Uh, To put it another way, we should ask ourselves, am I understanding the good news correctly? A lot of us have opinions without conviction, or we have knowledge without understanding. Uh, We pretend, like I did, that we really do know what we're talking about, but sometimes it's, it's hard to convey and we get confused and we don't. We don't know. But if that's you, I want to encourage you from the Word of God that the message that comes from Jesus, this message of salvation, it's simple and it's clear And if you're serious and you want to know him and you listen to these words and you respond to it, you will be saved. You will come to know God. So the big idea this morning comes in the form of a question. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, It's hearing the good news. It is a response that turns from sin and it's a response that trusts in Jesus Christ. And we'll go through all of those. So number one, it is hearing the good news. 
might be on the next slide here. Mark, he, he moves really, really fast. If you've been through the book of Mark, you'll see that often he uses the word immediately. Uh, he goes from uh, uh, Isaiah's prophecy to John baptizing to John's baptism, or sorry, Jesus' baptism and temptation to John's arrest. And now we have Jesus preaching in Galilee, his, his first instance in public ministry, and he's preaching. And this is the message he decides to give. In verse 14, he comes proclaiming what? The gospel. The gospel. We don't know what that is yet, but what's important is that we just have entered a new era. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, 2 says this, uh, that they will see, this people, a great light of salvation, uh, that a Savior would come to suffer and rescue God's people and where God would reign in people's hearts. So in the New Testament, you have to understand, this is a new concept. The Old Testament never speaks of the kingdom of God, but it's actually all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, The people were consumed with this idea of a kingdom and kings and who would come to rule God's people and usher in this this new age where God reigns with his people. Uh, God created man to rule under him in Genesis. God gave laws to Israel to live by in Exodus. Uh, Israel rejected God as their true king in uh, 1 Samuel. And then all throughout, there's promises of this kingdom. Jesus' coming is the fulfillment of all of these promises. Now, in English, the word kingdom makes us think of castles and kings and borders with walls that need to be conquered or defended. Some of you have on your phones this this game called Clash of Clans. Uh, Even leaders uh, have some have this game. I've seen it. Um, big armies and big battles, and you recruit all these troops, and you go and just conquer kingdoms. That is not what's happening here. This is not the kind of kingdom conquering that is going on. In this case, it's referring to God ruling and reigning in people's hearts spiritually. There will be a day where there'll be us with God physically. We read that in Revelation 21, 22. But what's going on here is this uh, relational idea, not a geographical idea. Why does this matter to you? Because when we talk about you entering the kingdom of God, we're talking about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, 13 says, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son where we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So not everyone is a citizen in this kingdom of God, but only those who have a trusting relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not for everybody. Jesus doesn't just come with no purpose and with nothing to say. This is a king, King Jesus, with a a special message. It's good news. And he says in Luke 19.10 that he came to seek and to save the lost. He had a, a real mission. He's not hiding his motive, but he's calling all who desire to follow him to come 
and be saved. So how do you get into this kingdom? If the kingdom of God is all that it's cracked up to be in Scripture, God's loving, joy-filled, happy reign over his people. And if that's true, that you can either be in or out of that kingdom, then it's hugely important that we understand what that is and be clear about how to get in it. If Jesus is the king and savior who reigns over this kingdom, then here is the answer to our question. Getting into the kingdom of God is partly, notice how I say partly, dependent on your response to Jesus. God is ultimately in control. You'll find that all over scripture. He's the one that calls, right? Jesus said that the Father draws people to him. God is in control, but we also have a duty to respond to the message that we hear. When all of us stand before God on that great day, after we die, uh, no one will be able to say to God, "I, I can't come in because you didn't show me, because you didn't invite me, because you didn't give me enough time. God's word allows us to play back his words. And what we find is, is Jesus did say, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand now, right? Because he comes onto the scene. He's here. Repent and believe. All of us have heard these words. How are we going to respond it requires that we respond. He says the time was fulfilled, meaning this was the exact moment in history that God planned to send Jesus. This is no accident. Uh, Galatians 4.4 4 says, when the, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. Ephesians 1 tells us this was all a plan for the fullness of time. And I'll say this too, you hearing the truth uh, here on Sundays and Wednesdays is no accident. It's no accident. You were meant to hear this good news. It is an invitation for you to enter. Every time you hear the good news of Jesus Christ, which we're going to get into in a little bit, it is an invitation to be rescued from sin and death and to come and be a part of the family of God. As the Psalms say, God is merciful, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, full of love. But scripture does tell us that there is a time when God's patience with the wicked will end. We're living in a time where God is allowing people to respond to him. It won't always be the case. He sent his son and there's still time to believe in him. My dad understood this, and to teach me a lesson when I was little, he would say, hey, I'm going to the store. Why don't you come along with me? We'll get some ice cream. And I would say, hold on, just just a minute. I'm I'm almost done. Uh, Let me just finish this real quick. And I was probably playing a video game or watching TV, doing something not important at all. 
And he would just leave without a word. Door shuts. I'm like, what? You just leave? Uh, but he gets back. So I, no ice cream for me. And I learned that the, spe- the most special opportunities need to be taken seriously and acted upon. And Jesus' good news is better than ice cream. All right? this, is, this is real. This is eternity. This is everlasting life. Not just in time, but in quality. This, this is the greatest news we could ever hear. And there's time. There's time to respond. So what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Uh, it's hearing the good news. But hearing is not enough. Uh, there is a response that is required. So for the second point, uh, it is a response that turns from sin. Let's go back to our passage. Verse 15, Jesus says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. There's a phrase that all of us use that gets us out of trouble from time to time. Uh, It's just two words. My bad. My bad. Uh, We do something wrong. Yeah, that's my bad. Uh, We realize we're in trouble. Hey, that's on me. My bad. It's an easy escape by quickly admitting fault. Uh, It doesn't take much thought or effort. And as long as I admit my fault, uh, everyone should just forget about my bad. So Jesus, he introduces to us a part of the response we are to have to the good news, and it's called repentance. What is repentance? It's not the same thing as saying, my bad. It's not the same thing. There's more to repentance than just recognizing sin. Um, that Knowing you did something wrong and saying, sorry, though that is part of it. That's part of repentance. Uh, It literally means to have a changed mind, a turn in direction. Uh, Jesus is saying, change your mind, turn, and believe. It's a command and is the genuine response from someone whose heart has been changed. Luke 5, 32, he says, I didn't come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners to repentance. It was his mission to bring people, you, to repentance, to draw sinners to him. But there's some confusion here. How do I know? How do I know I've really repented of my sins? It's a question asked a million times by both believers and unbelievers alike. Uh, It's Ultimately, God's work in our hearts, right? Acts eleven eighteen says that God is the one who gives repentance. He's the one that, that allows us to respond with it. And the first sign of repentance is to see sin for what it is and to know you are a sinner before God. Romans 3, right? We go to Romans 3 and we see that all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Sin is an offense to God because he's holy He's pure. He's glorious. He will, not, he, he will not reside with sin. And all of us have this sin disease. You say, okay, but what does repentance look like? It's a good question. The truth is uh, physical expressions of sorrow don't always 
prove that one is really changed. In the Old Testament, Jesus would, sorry, Jesus, Jews would grab their shirts and they would rip it open to show sorrow. They would just tear open their garments. And they would do this often, often religiously. And it got to a point where they would sin and they would rip their shirt just because it's what you do. But notice what God says in Joel 2 about this very issue. Um, Return to me with all your heart and with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. And he says, tear your hearts, not your clothes. Tear your hearts, not your garments. Uh, What does God want in repentance? He wants your heart. He wants a broken heart for you to see that what you've done is not just a wrong, but it was a wrong against God. When King David, the giant slayer, the godly man who was a man after God's own heart, when he fell into sin with Bathsheba, uh, he wrote a psalm. And he knew that there was nothing he could do to make up for sin. You can't just work your way to get right with God. Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God, what we do for him, are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart God will not despise. Right, so he shows us we respond in brokenheartedness. God responds with accepting us. Right? If you are really seeking to love God and obey him and to hate your sin and stop doing these things, that's a good sign that your heart is being renewed and we need to pray for the Lord to renew us, to to give us his desires, to uh, help us to hate the things God hates. You may have seen pictures on the internet of strange people on the street holding strange signs that say, repent or go to hell. Do you think that is a message that will cause a lot of people to change? They're missing, I would argue, the other half of Jesus' message, which is, and believe the good news. Here's the point. Repentance is inseparable from the person and work of Jesus Christ. You cannot separate Repentance from believing in Christ. You turn from something, but you're also turning to someone. Certain things just go together. Um, Popcorn and movies, easy. Coffee and pink donuts. Yep, yep. They just go together. Uh, Exchange and gaga. Yep, all the time. They're just pairs, inseparable. Junior higher, repent and believe the good news. We don't stay stuck in in just feeling bad about the sin that we do. We turn to Christ and live. We turn to him and give him our lives and he accepts us with our broken heart. The more we see God as glorious and holy and loving and pure, 
and we see his love toward us, the more we are willing to repent over our sin, the more we will see sin as something to weep over. Let's get back to David's repentance in Psalm 51. Just for an example, he says in verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. That's God's nature. Steadfast love. Why would I sin against the God who loves me? We're sinning against someone. Verse 6, you delight in truth. You teach me wisdom. So God is true and sin is a lie. God is wise and sin is foolishness. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. God is a joyful God, ready to rescue people. He's full of joy. He is the essence of being satisfied. We are only fully satisfied in him. So repentance, I just want, I want this to be clear. Repentance is, is less about feeling bad about behavior, though that's part of it, and more about coming back to God and desiring him and loving him and seeing how great, how glorious he is. This morning, if you are brokenhearted over your sin, Psalm 51, 17 says, God does not reject the brokenhearted, but he does not He does not despise, but he accepts. That is when you believe in him, when you turn to him. Uh, Psalm 147, God loved the Psalms. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So brokenheartedness isn't even the ultimate goal of repentance. The ultimate goal is that you would be broken so that God can heal you and open you up to his grace so that you could be changed. I'll close this point by just adding, no one gets into the kingdom of God by climbing a ladder with good works and good feelings. The brokenhearted get there not by climbing a ladder, but by being on their knees, by praying, asking God for forgiveness, turning to him. And listen to what God says. These are his words in Isaiah 57, 15. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place, but I also dwell with whoever has a humble and lowly heart. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with whoever has a humble and lowly spirit. The grace of God comes only to those who repent. Which leads us to our third point. As mentioned a bit ago, being a follower of Jesus is more than repentance. The other part of our response is uh, believing the good news. It's to trust in Jesus Christ, in who he is and what he has done. Uh, Let's go back to our text. Verse 15. Very clear. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So both John the Baptist and Jesus preached repentance. So did the disciples, so did uh, the Apostle Paul, but the major focus of his message is faith, commitment, trust, uh, responding to the good news with faith and trusting in Christ is one of the big themes in the whole book of Mark. 
what exactly is the good news. And I trust that many of you already know. You have faithful, faithful leaders in this group. And I know you've heard the good news all the time if you come to exchange regularly. Well, the question then is, has the knowledge you gained about the good news, has it prompted change in your life? Uh, A response to live for and obey Jesus Christ in everything you do. Is that the response that you have? Or is it indifference? Or is it, I'll follow later. But the gospel, the word gospel, it just means good news. We use that word all the time, gospel. It's just good news. It also, we we use it to refer to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we use it in a variety of ways, but it is good news because Matthew, Mark, Luke, John tell of Jesus Christ and what, who he is and what he has done for you. Uh, but why is this news good? Uh, when is news ever good these days? It, it, I, you can't get away from news. I'm so tired of hearing of another you know, corrupt leader or another tragedy, another celebrity story that is a, such a waste of time. You know, once you start here, like you start reading the article, it's just like, it's a waste of time. But news, this news is called good. Why? It has actual content that is, it has eternal implications for you. It has content that tells you the way to find life. And to escape from the hell we deserve for our sin, for our offense against God. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to see it and hear it from God's word. This is one of the clearest statements in all of scripture that tells us why the good news is good. This shows us who we were and who we are and who God is and what he has done. We'll give it a few more seconds. I see some more pages flipping. I want us all to be there. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. A few more seconds. All right. Verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages... 
he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Without Christ, we are totally lost and dead in our sin. Without him, we would get exactly what we deserve. But Jesus came. That those, those beautiful two words, but God. But Jesus came because only God himself could be the sacrifice that we needed. Right, there, there was a, an exchange that happened. It's the name of our, name of our group. There was an exchange that happened that Jesus would go to the cross so he could die and stand in our place so that you could one day meet God and stand before him as if you were Christ with his righteousness, that is, right? Our sins were laid on him, his righteousness laid on you. That's grace, pure grace. You could be made alive holy, spotless, and blameless. So Jesus says, repent and believe in the gospel. It's similar to say, trust in. It involves faith and commitment. Uh, If you trust a friend to hold on to your backpack while you leave for a minute, uh, you take them at their word. When they tell you, I'll watch this for you, no worries. Um, You have confidence in their character, hopefully. Uh, You believe that they really want to help you and that they're not actually going to eat all your snacks. Um, Maybe. With the gospel, you believe it is God's word. You take him at his word that Jesus really is who he says he is and that you will begin to live your life to please God and not yourself. So to believe in God in his message, says more than, yes, God exists, right? James says, even the demons believe that. Yes, God does exist. Yes, I'm, I'm dead in my sin without Christ. And it says, yes, Jesus died for me. He was buried and rose again. And yes, I will turn from my sins and live my life for him because of what he's done. Someone once challenged me by saying, you just heard a sermon on the gospel. What did you think? I said, great sermon. They said, but what if it's real? If you believed it to be real, would you keep on living your life as comfortably as you're still living it? The point was well taken. Uh, the point is that if, if this is real, if the gospel is true, if the message of King Jesus is real, there's no time for procrastination. Uh, the gospel is good news, and Jesus has come to seek and save the lost by his death and his resurrection. And yet it comes with a warning. Time is short. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. So people of exchange, come to Christ. Come to Christ. And if you haven't responded, 
If you have the knowledge, respond to it by, by accepting his offer, his invitation, his life for what he's done for you. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, it's, a, it's hearing the good news. It's a response that turns from sin. And it's a response that trusts in Jesus Christ. Uh, but look for just a minute at the disciples in verses 16 through 20. It would be helpful if I was there too. All right, 16 through 20. I'll read it one more time. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. We don't know much about what the disciples knew of Jesus when we first hear of them. Word spreads pretty fast especially around Galilee. But one thing is certain is that they believed Jesus' message and that the kingdom of God was near with his coming. They didn't understand everything. They didn't understand the how, but they were sure. They repented. It says they left their nets. They, they turned from their whole living what what they made their living on which was fishing and we're beginning to see how their beliefs were making demands on their lives as we read the gospels we see that whenever there was a time and an opportunity they were sitting at Jesus' feet asking questions talking and desiring to be with him you may not have all the answers You may not be certain how everything comes together yet, but you do hear the message, repent and believe the good news. You do hear that Jesus died for your sins and that if you turn to him, you'll live. That's clear. It's a simple message that he gives to us. He's shown you the way to be with him forever. So let your knowledge and your your understanding and uh, your understanding turn as a response to him that follows Christ. Uh, Just a reminder to you that, uh, again, questions are normal. Questions are normal. If you have them, uh, feel free to drop them in the question box. But more importantly, talk to your leaders. We love you guys, and and we want to hear if you have questions. We'd love to help you out with them. If if it's not making sense, you have questions about, again, what the gospel is, talk to your leader. Talk to us. Um, So let's turn our attention to the Lord in prayer. We'll close. We'll head out. Father, again, we thank you for your love toward us. And we just heard a message from your word in Mark that we are to repent and believe the good news. Lord, I ask for every student in this room that they truly would trust in you. Lord, make them to see their sin for what it is, to see you, God, for who you are, and that they would long for you and desire you, 
that they would see Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for them and that they would repent of their sins and trust in him. That he died, was buried, and rose again. Lord, there are eternal implications and I I pray, Lord, that you would work mightily now as we take this truth home Lord, that we would love you and see again what you've done for us as we keep on reading the pages of Scripture. We ask this all in your name. Amen.